You're listening to an exclusive podcast with the UCLA Radio News Team. Welcome back to the Weekly Bruins. My name is Sophia, and here are this week's best pieces courtesy of UCLA Radio News. If you'd like to hear more, we have programming every day at 4 p.m. on uclaradio.com, and be sure to follow us on Instagram at UCLA Radio News. Winter quarter is over, and hopefully so is sick season, but if you're worried about healthcare, here's Bryson with more information. There's a bunch of things to think about when you're thinking about healthcare plans, and Vox, um, for people who want to know more about the subject, they have a whole dedicated part of their site for all of their healthcare materials because they write a lot about it. They create a lot of really good videos about it. They're really trying to make sure people are educated about the subject, which I think is super great. Um, and so some of my information um, I'm really pulling from the New York Times and Vox because I think they're great sources for different reasons. But um, really good schema of kind of the things that I pulled out of really important um, factors when you're evaluating a healthcare plan are kind of first and foremost um, who is getting covered. Um, I think when it comes to federal policy now, it's kind of been in this Medicare for all era of um, conversation. Uh, you, you know, you have to discuss, you know, like how many Americans are getting coverage. Is it um, enforced that all um, Americans receive coverage? Um, where? that is coming from, um, all important questions, but that big thing is who is getting covered as a larger populace. But then I think there's a couple other things that are important to keep in mind. Um, the second one that I think is really important with how you're thinking about healthcare right now is do Americans under this hypothetical plan get their insurance from their work? So right now with the current system, there's so much tax incentives for large-scale employers and small businesses, but less so. Large-scale employers to give their employees healthcare plans at a competitive rate. And so that's a large um, a large chunk of where people think about healthcare, think about quality healthcare is from employers. And I think this point is especially really interesting, mostly because if you look at polling, when you're talking about large-scale policies that are on the public end of healthcare. There are a lot of people who are against that, mostly because they receive private insurance through their employers, and they're extremely happy with it because they get a great rate, they get great coverage, and it's tied to their workplace, which they're often, if it's something stable, if it's something long-term, that they're happy with. And so when we get into the polling in a second, and when we talk about this contingent of people who are opposed to an expansive public sector plan, um, where those kind of what those people are thinking about, how they're viewing it. I think the workplace insurance um, dynamic is a big part of that. Um, but moving on, I think I think another big thing to talk about is um, premiums and do specifically do public plans enforce premiums? Um, you know, premiums being common practice for private insurance companies to both create profit, profit schemes, but also kind of keep a consistency basis to their kind of large-scale pool. And so when you're shifting to maybe public options, do does it require um, enrollees to still pay premiums? 
Um, I think that's also important, but I kind of stuck that in the middle because I don't think it's as kind of critical to the perception issue that we're going to talk about. Um, and then the, the last two things I wanted to talk about are kind of, uh, kind of not afterthoughts, but kind of just process things. Um, one of them is, does it require um, immense tax increase? I mean, some of these, you know, uh, you know, the insurance realm is trillions and trillions of dollars of uh, total movement between different services. And so the idea of making radical shifts, moving between these different things, you know, will that require different allocation of public money? Will it require larger um, tax income? Is that required? Where is that going to come from? Like, that's definitely a big thing when it comes to these plans and how you're going to think about it. And then lastly, like, does the government itself under this new scheme, like, regulate drug like healthcare prices like do they have an influence at all um and yeah i think those are five pretty fundamental things obviously there's a lot more to think about but healthcare can be such a confusing hypothetical um large-scale idea especially when it comes to policy so i think keeping those five things in mind and really critically evaluating um what specifically are in plans will lead uh, hopefully, voters to being more educated on the subject. But I just wanted to, you know, take an hour, you know, take an hour, because this is what it really took me. It's just like, take an hour, go to the Times, go to Vox, go to these candidates' pages, look up these healthcare plans. Like, they are detailed, they are really different, they have huge implications for our country. Like, this is not a magical fix, this is not a talking point, this is like, something that's critical to people's lives and how they are able to navigate social mobility, how they're able to deal with crises, how they're able to have more protection and expand and have children. Like healthcare is maybe the most important issue in this election and in American life right now. So it deserves our attention and it deserves our literacy. So I definitely urge people to go farther than what I did today and really look at these plans and think about your personal experience with healthcare. Like last year, I, I didn't have insurance that was in network in Los Angeles, basically. And I broke my finger and I have a knobby finger because of it, because I could not go to a legit PT. And so we all have these personal experiences about healthcare and the in intricacies of it. And so it's definitely going forward important to look at these things. And to do this with all policy issues that affect your life. And that's part of being a good citizen, it's part of being a good voter, but also just like a good, conscious person who has your own interest and the interests of others around you. Healthcare isn't the only topic up for debate in this country. With the upcoming 2020 election, there are plenty of candidates, issues, and policies at stake. Max, Allison, and Salma talk more about contention and candidates. We would rather have a man who is um, like openly sexually assaulting women or has openly oh, yeah. sexually assaulted women, has literally said grab her by the pussy, but we wouldn't have Tapes. a gay president. Exactly. No, exactly. Not okay, crazy. and that's on that and, note. Oh my god. <laughs> literally we talk about I'm not Uncle no. Joe. <laughs> Oh, over to <laughs> over to Uncle, over to Creepy Joe Biden and his potential run for president. Um, yeah. So in case anyone missed it, um, over the weekend, 
an act no actually probably last week um uh senator from new mexico question mark i think it's new mexico yeah it Lucy was um, flores nevada nevada so she was Lucy like flores. at the time i just read this article she was a member of the house of representatives in nevada so like a state legislator running for senate had, right running for senate and she had this um campaign rally where biden came and was supporting her and she's viewed as this like rising star in the democratic party and yeah, so she gave this account of him coming up, and I think he massaged her shoulders like a lot, and she's and like, "Wow, the vice president is really doing this. I'm uncomfortable." Didn't he? All, was that the time that he also kissed the back of her neck? He kissed was the back the, of her yeah. neck. Yeah. Like, so like, came up. Let's just all in that. I need you all to step yeah, into Joe's shoes, okay? In Joe's shoes. Oh yeah. No, I love Joe's looking shoes. at it from the perspective. So you fully <laughs> understand the crazy, okay? Listen, we can all empathize with the victim who's like, oh my God, why is this, like, why is this person touching me? Yeah, why is this person touching me? I don't really get permission for that. That's awkward and I feel uncomfortable and this is maybe bad. Oh, and he just kissed the back of my back. I I feel gross. Okay, that's fine. We can all do that. But I want everyone to understand the level of strange that it is to like walk up on stage in front of everybody or was it on stage? It like There's been creepy right moments on stage. On the side of the stage, just okay, but yeah. also touched exactly. a lot of people on stage. Yeah, exactly. It's everywhere. Exactly. But go up and there's like people around and you just like grab a woman you don't know that well and start massaging her soul, her shoulders and she's like ah, and then you kiss the back of her neck all apparently in oh. like support and you know trying and to make her feel better that's not even the worst part he also leaned in and smelled her hair really hard <laughs> exactly. so imagine going through those motions and try to rationalize it to yourself and also you're the vice president I can't I can't rationalize that shit. I have no idea. I would like, never would you even do that to a friend. No. Like, I'm I would not smell a friend's <laughs> hair. Ugh, no. Why See, and that's that? and that's the thing. And that is the, that is the main thing is that it's like how is it that men in power get to this strange mindset where they don't understand that this kind of thing is unacceptable and not chill well do you think that's even men in power because i know like older people just maybe in my family or somewhere that i've seen Mm -hmm. do things like that where they're just overly huggy and not like not even in a sexual way they just sort of like so are asserting their dominance they think they have that power yeah so think about that that's still a person in power if you're a kid or a younger person and like in your family generation you're at the top of that hierarchy you still have that power it's like the same relationship as like an uncle has a a relate like a power relationship over his niece like that that exists exactly yeah so i just i that's what i was clarifying like it's not just political power and i think it's a sort of special kind of demeaning that he doesn't I, i think he doesn't really understand that i don't know i think he i think we yeah his apology in case anyone hasn't read it read something like I did not intend this to be, you know, sexually, um, like, like meant, and I understand that it could have, like, my actions could have been taken a certain way, if that, if it was taken that way, I apologize, that was not my intent. You know, he said he was, like, ready to listen to her and her accusations, but the point that she was trying to make and you know she said that she thinks it's disqualifying but that that's a political statement she didn't think that he did anything at all bordering sexual assault at all and his response was sort of like a defense against a claim of a crime which is it's not like that's not what she's saying she's she's saying that it's demeaning and uncomfortable and yeah that you have this history and you should not be like running for president exactly I understand that that's a very good point 
While sexual assault is a dominant topic in the media surrounding celebrities and public figures, it's critical to remember that it isn't a distant issue. Here at UCLA, the University Police Department found that sexual assaults on or near campus increased by 38% between 2016 and 2017. Groups at UCLA want to make sure that campus is a place that is safe for survivors, and an advocacy project raising awareness is helping do just that. From afar, the shirts strung across Dixon Plaza may merely seem like an art display. As one comes closer, the visceral stories of survivors that cover each shirt become apparent, marking the start of April, which is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, an annual campaign to raise public awareness about sexual assault and educate communities and individuals on how to prevent sexual violence. For nearly two decades, UCLA has commemorated the start of Sexual Assault Awareness Month with the Clothesline Display, an art activism project with the aim to bring awareness to the issue of sexual violence, in which different colored t-shirts, each symbolizing a different form of sexual violence, is displayed on the UCLA campus. For example, red shirts symbolize survivors of sexual assault, Blue shirts symbolize survivors of incest or child abuse, yellow symbolizing domestic violence. Each shirt is designed by a survivor which symbolizes their emotions. During April, UCLA organizations such as CARE and Bruin Consent Coalition work to bring awareness to sexual and gender-based violence through the lens of education, advocacy, and survivor support. Some programs include Trauma-Informed Yoga, Take Back the Night, and the State of Title IX, each offering a different way of processing and fighting against sexual violence. One in three women, one in six men, and one in two trans folk will experience sexual assault over the course of their lifetime. Although sexual violence is an issue that's gained plenty of attention in recent years, it's important to know that there's still so much room for learning and improvement. So if this is a cause that is important to you, make sure to get involved in the many events happening at the UCLA campus this April. Thanks for listening to The Weekly. For UCLA Radio News, I'm Sophia Donskoy reporting.